And good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome to another edition of the Men's Mental Health Show. Um, I'm your host, uh, Bradley, Brad Spillo Spillane, whatever you want to call me, just call, don't call me late for dinner. Um, and uh, just as always, uh, before we sort of get stuck into things today, a big thanks to uh, Dale Hunt and the Mounties Group for uh, sponsoring the show, and uh, my mate uh, Noel Pope and the Greater Lawson Community. Also want to say uh, a big thanks to, uh, to Matt Tonks, who came uh, along for the first time this year and uh, joined us last week. So if you, uh, by chance, didn't get a, a chance to listen in or hear the stream or, or, or re-listen to the podcast, I highly recommend it. Uh, last week's show was... Um, it was, a, it was a great show, wasn't it, Bose? Oh, it was very enjoyable. The music was fantastic. Yeah. The feeling behind oh. us singing was uh, spine-tingling. Yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah. He just, he just doesn't cease to amaze me, you know, mm. what he can come mm. up with. And, you know, we are talking about before, I was saying about this guy that uh, if any of you want to sort of see that Bill Withers uh, cover of a guy that's on YouTube, I uh, can't remember his name, just Google Ain't No Sunshine and you'll see he's a big, really big fella. Um, and you'll hear what it's like when, you, when I talk about singers that are, they sing with a lot of pain, you know, like there's one thing to sing from the heart, but there's pain behind that. Um, it's so good to hear. I just, I just love hearing an artist at work. You know, it's, mm. it's fantastic. Mm. And Matt's just certainly world class. Um, and I, I also want to say, uh, don't forget this Saturday and also every, thir- every Thursday there's a walk at, uh, in Lawson for men. Um, and that uh, starts at six and they meet at the Mesabare uh, Cafe restaurant. But um, the Chiefs and Shannon Evans' Walk and Talk for Life is back on this Saturday at, uh, I believe it's, is it, I don't think we're going to Gubbard's Leap this time. I think it's um, of a different venue for, oh. Oh, I've got to check. So I'll check through the show and let everyone know. But it's at 10 a.m. It's at the fair, oh, no, it's the same thing. Yes, it is. I beg your pardon. Okay. Um, so it's at the Fairfax uh, Walk or whatever it is at Gubbard's Leap. Yeah, so yeah, 10 a.m. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, so okay. I beg your pardon. Um, and a big welcome, first of all. I'll introduce our other member of the team in a moment. But, um, Bodes, welcome back, man. It's, um, Good morning. I don't think you missed too many shows this year. I've been so grateful you've been here, buddy. No worries. Thank you. It's been good to be here and to, uh, you know, take up the cudgels on behalf of men and mental health. Yeah, isn't that right? It's just a bit <laughs> chilly out there. And uh, I'll introduce our, our, our other guest today. Well, he's our, really our guest, I, guest. I, I suppose. And, um, of course, um, he's been we'll here a few times. He's, he's one guest. hell of a character. These boys, you've got to sit more than two metres apart. And that's not, that is not for COVID reasons. Um, so, but... He gave uh, over 50 years of service uh, in the military to this country. And, and in the words of um, Rob Hurst from Midnight Oil, when the generals talk, you better listen to him. Welcome, Bluey. Thanks for that. Yeah, nice to be back. How's, uh, how's things been? Yeah, 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 good. Sun shining, the birds are singing. Yeah. It's all fine. Terrific. Got loads of washing and towels on the line, so what, what could you want? When does bad... Mi- I think you guys might be able to get oh, back to it. From in, 1 July. It, from 1st of July. So wow. Not this Sunday, but the following Sunday, we'll be uh, putting on our well, shorts yeah. and uh, shoes and pulling the racket out. And yeah, that's Smashing right. each other. Yeah. Smashing oh, each no, other. You will be. That's before the game starts. <laughs> <laughs> As I said before, if you, want to, if you want to join and have a go at badminton, um, I'm absolutely hopeless at it. But I went down and uh, it was just worth watching these two. <laughs> as, as the, uh, and there's no admission fee, but if there was one, it was worth it. Yeah. 
We're um, probably the only court in Australia where everybody knows to turn up with uh, noise-cancelling headphones. <laughs> yes. But if you're a learner and you want to have a crack at it, uh, Blue has got a ton of patience to actually guide you through the principles of serving and retrieval and yeah. leaping way sideways and backwards and that sort of stuff. And I've seen him with even young kids uh, spend at least half an hour yeah. patiently yeah. actually instructing them on how to you know, um, grasp the essentials of playing Babins. And I've always sort of thought, God, Blue, good on you, man. You've got such a, such a way with um, sharing um, the game that we love and um, you, you're unstinting in your, um, uh, your, your assistance of mm. uh, helping. So good on you, shout man. out to you, bro. That's a, it, that's well, a beautiful you, thing. That's yeah. a really beautiful thing to say, Bodes. Um, you know, I, I certainly noticed that when, when I went along and you gave me some tips. But just so everyone knows, I think Blue's in his 70s now and he's, he's the only 70-year-old that's got Absolutely. a six-pack. He's as fit as they come. Um, but uh, you're right, he's, uh, he's a, a very kind gentleman. And, and in fact, I think we might, we're going to be talking a bit about that today. Um, the topic really today, gentlemen, is um, uh, to discuss, uh, you know, adversity, so to speak. And, um, you know, you gave me a lovely book. I, I, I think I got only mm. 100 pages in. That was Kokoda, mm. uh, written by Peter Fitzy, who I know you just adore. Um, mm-hmm. As do I. I read the book he wrote on Steve Waugh. And um, I think he's probably... He, he, he really sums up adversity really well, Fitzy, when he talks about it. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I just remember, I was at that game when, you know, Steve Wall, well, he hadn't been scoring too many runs. He, he, he did score 100 in that uh, 12 months lead up to it and, you know, had a plate of 70 on that saved a test match. But if you remember, the Australian public were just so, you know, and this was a guy that had been playing since, you know, to 84, I think he came on 85, and, and went through that area of uh, era of really poor. You know, Australia were probably number six in the world. Um, you know, when when Kim Hughes came in, and then Alan Border came in, and really sort of shake the, shook the boat, so to speak. But uh, get, getting to the point was uh, at that day. I, I just remember I was there with Mark Spud Carroll and uh, mate of mine Dave Post, Dave Potter, and when. Uh, God, what was his name? Craig. And Craig, I think he was whatever. He bowled that ball and Steve Waugh just stood on that back foot and cracked it past cover point. Oh, man. The sea of men. We, like, you're talking 38,000 people. And you, it's everywhere around, it was just the, the sound and men hugging each other, you know. It was like the greatest comeback. And it was he scored in the last session, that 100. And it was his way of sort of turning around to the selectors and, and the media, I guess, and just sort of said, you know, that's what you do. You, you never write off a champion, because if you do, you do so at your own peril. And it happens so often, doesn't it? Yeah, yes. and it's funny. If we're going to be talking about adversity, uh, adversity quite often uh, that's when people shine. And in a lot of cases, you know, we used to use uh, an expression in the army. Well, it's not just the army, but it's very popular that... Um, Pressure produces, and if you put people under pressure, quite often, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people can uh, step up from that point. You get, you know, uh, kids in their last couple of years of school, 11 and 12, and they'll put things off and they'll put things off, and when they, you know, realise that, you know, a test that's really important is on tomorrow, they go, tomorrow, tomorrow, yeah. and then, you know, they start swatting up because, yeah, you know, all of a sudden time. they're under pressure. And, yeah. you know, it's like, that, it's like that other expression that, uh, you know, any task or any job, 
will uh, fill to uh, take up the space that it's allowed to occupy. In other words, a job that could take a week. You know, it's like that classic where, uh, you know, men often say to their wives, look, if I say I'm going to do a job, I will. I just don't need reminding every seven months. <laughs> every seven <laughs> so, yeah. Everything you're saying there is so, so yeah. much what I do. Well, we used to do, yeah. yeah. I remember reminding every seven months. <laughs> yeah. I, I had a great joke this morning. I should tell it on air later, but I'm not too sure. Yeah, no, I think you're right that um, we spoke both last week mm. um, about stress and pressure and, and the difference between stress, pre- pressure and, and crisis. Um, yeah. uh, you know, I think um, there's a lot of men that can relate to that, particularly after going through separation or divorce or, or, mm. or grief, loss of a family member. Um, but it, it plays on men. We, we sort of react differently. And I think you were talking about your cortisone levels or how everything mm-hmm. is sort of the brain functions that way. Does that, when, I guess, if we talk about it, say, from where Blue was mentioning, like, uh, you know, we've got that school exam, we'll cram everything in, or, um, you know, I'm playing footy this weekend, the coach has said he's going to cut me if I don't play well. Uh, Is that something that that men uh, generally will respond to quite well in in that situation, I guess, um, you know, what's what, what's Look, the, uh, I behind think it all? It cuts both ways. Some people uh, respond to a challenge mm. and rise to the occasion, and other people go um, the the opposite and say, "Oh well, if that's your attitude, I, I, I won't show up, or I'll, I'll cut loose, or I'll, mm. uh, I'm not I'm, I'm not interested." I, you know that they won't I respond think, to that pressure. They won't. That, that that, no, they'll, they'll, they'll just say, oh, well, well, nah, not not interested." So mm. I, don't, I don't think there's a universal. Um, response, but there's probably a universal sort of idea of, of some people step up and some people walk away. Right. Um, yeah. yeah? Mm. Uh, so, um, do you have It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, tell you what, I'll tell you what's really interested me over the years, and I've seen it many, many times, um, and it's fascinated me. You know, if I get a, get a group of, say, a class from RMC, Duntroon, Royal Military College come up, there might be, you know, 60 of them, and, you know, the, the mix might be, say, you know, 35 men and 25 women or something and when they're under under pressure as a group the way that men handle that sustained pressure and the way women handle it is really remarkable and you can see that caring and nurturing um come out particularly like in the women you know like if you know a bloke's really bloody you know shitting blue razor blades and really like on all fours and howling with fear which i've actually seen i've actually seen I've never seen a woman do it, but I've seen yeah, a number of occasions, probably five or six over the 35 years I've been doing that kind of stuff, they'll actually, you know, fail this themselves. You know, we use the expression, mm-hmm. oh, he shat himself. Well, I'll tell you yeah. what, yeah, yeah. people do, people do. Like, they literally shit themselves with fear. But um, what tends to happen with uh, some men that really overreact to, 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 to fear, because as they say, you know... Um, Stress is just a, uh, a normal reaction to an abnormal situation. And, mm. you know, we get people at the tops of you know, fast-flowing canyons and you know, 300-metre cliffs and, and uh, it doesn't respect who you are or what your background is mm. or what school you went to mm. or what your father does or mm. whether you're a brigadier or a, or a baggy-ass digger. Um, but some men will react angrily. Here, there's a surprise for you. Yeah. Any women listening. And uh, it's all bullshit and you're an yeah. asshole and I don't have to prove anything to you. And it's all shit. And, I, and they, they'll go back and they'll bloody 
you know, sling their gear and get it off, and it's all your fault. Everything mm. that's wrong with their life in the world is all your fault now. Mm. They, have a, they, have a, they have a figure or a target, and they'll just throw off their gear and, they, and they'll literally storm off and get out. It's all bullshit. It's You're an arsehole. I don't need to prove anything. Mm. Mm. But women almost invariably will go into a huddle. Yeah. They'll all cry like ten crying things, but they'll all support each other. Yes. And then they'll look at you as the big bad outsider and they'll do it virtually right. despite you. And it's something that I've seen on numerous occasions. And, mm. you know, women will just go in to support. We can get this. Yeah. You know, we can get this done. We spoke done, about mate. that last week. We um, asked a question. It's really yeah. remarkable to watch. And it's happened up here, like on these big cliffs of Katoomba. Yes. And I've had them do all, all kinds yes. of weird things. And... Um, you know, they won't be happy about what they're doing and they'll be in tears and they'll be yeah. upset and I'll just stand there with folded arms and wait for them and say, you know, like, yeah. I've got all day, mate, I've got a head torch, you know, as soon as you're ready, we're going. Yeah. And they'll just go on and do it and, uh, you know, in some cases, you know, like, blokes have actually gone uh, and left the site, you know what I mean? Gone back to the car, gone to a cafe, right. just, like, literally, you know, mm -hmm. broken military just, law and yeah. there's consequences <clears throat> for that, don't yeah, get me wrong, sure. you know, like... I always tell these people that, you know, when I go out, I'm a lovely bloke and my mother and sisters and my wife love me, but, you know, don't push me too far yes. because I tell them that, you know, I've got the bear suit on and I've yeah. got it tied up around the waist, but yeah. if you make me zip it up and get those claws out, I can, do it. I can do yeah. it, you know. And, um, you know, there are consequences to people who go AWOL from a situation like that and generally I have people that will follow that stuff up for me, you know, usually at the warrant officer kind of foreman rank. And uh, I had a bloke down at Mount York that wasn't happy about what was going on and... Uh, he was a dental assistant, and I didn't know, but there was some angst between this uh, warrant officer and this particular sergeant. Um, and as soon as, uh, you know, this bloke steps out of his gear and runs back to the car, the, uh, the classic Sergeant Major bloody tackled him and drove him into the ground oh, like yeah. a bloody circus pig. Oh, wow. And picked him up and said, you know, we're doing this, we're doing yeah. this, and, uh, and got him back, yeah, just pulled on the bear suit. I didn't need to. And uh, harnessed him up, and he, he went and did it. But that was probably one of the most <laughs> so extreme I guess it, examples I've seen. Yeah. So I guess these, like in, in that, uh, you know, in, in the armed forces, like you know, in, in the army, and as you're saying, there's that mentality of it's got to be done. Really, like there's no way out of this. You can't make excuses. You know, these people. Some of these blokes may be, I guess. Uh, because these things that we're, you know, we're, we're good at and things that we just shit ours at. Does, does the army, after they, you know, they'll do that type of training, say, hey, look, this guy's just no good for that, but he's going to be good in this section? It's, yeah, you know, in, in many cases, although it can be badly done as well. Like, I remember I did, I did an activity at um, Hanging Rock at uh, Blackheath, and it was, you know, deliberately uh, like a high-end, high-scale activity, you know, high-stress um, uh, consequences for you know anything going wrong. We were you know one of those things. We were just on the margin, and uh, CO was a bit of a twit to be honest. And he he actually called his officers together, and and you know just a dinosaur from another era. Any of you weak bastards, buddy, balk at this sort of stuff, or give me a hard time. You're not coming with us to Afghanistan. Um, you're not coming on this deployment. And uh, we had a bloke there that just buddy you know froze in fear, and I was able to get him over and you know, virtually got him to do what he had to do, you know, despite the, the CO's, inverted commas, you know, stance on leadership. And, um, yeah, like in a lot of cases, there, there, you know, there can, be, there can be consequences for that. But what I found is, um, you know, over the years you develop uh, strategies to help people in that situation. But quite often, and as I say, men and women are different, 
um, and I'll handle a, you know, a woman or a group of women differently to blokes because with the blokes it's all about profile, it's all about the way they're seen, it's all about the way they're imaged, it's all about what they well, think of themselves the and what others think of them. Perceived. That's right. And you have to work through that. And, uh, you know, like in some cases where there is a, uh, a requirement, you know, we used to do, we used to do training for the, um, for the uh, physical training instructors, the school down at uh, Cerberus there in Victoria, and the, the adventure training component um, uh, was compulsory for them, so they had to do it. It was like a, uh, you know, a terminal objective for them, and uh, some of those people required some very close management because if they balked at the adventure training course or the leadership course that they were doing, it meant that they um, they couldn't pursue their, uh, you know, they couldn't pursue their PTI course. It was a uh, it was a you know required component, and I've I've been up here with um, a number of them, and uh, you know one on one take them down Malaysia Wall, Malaysia Point at yeah. night, right. just the two of us, yeah. and uh, that works a treat because all of a sudden, one of the causes of perceived pressure amongst blokes is how other blokes see them, mm-hmm. how they see themselves, and if you can cut through that, um, and uh, it also had the other bonus here yeah, that night. <laughs> They lose a bit of height perspective, and uh, you know they're just hooking up to a rope and going, and they and they and uh, you know they just can't see. I remember I had a woman in a cave one time, and she wasn't having a particularly good day, and um, there was a cave that had a number of drops inside it from the entrance, and uh, you know the drill is you know you, you go down with your head torch on, turn it off just as you're about to hit the bottom, so you don't you know um, hit the poor bastard who's got you on break and you land next to them, you know, with night blindness and they can't see for yeah. 20, 25 minutes. Wow. So I said, right, the way we're going um, to do this, some of you are a bit slow on the first drop to enter the cave to get your head torch off. The second time, you're going to be going down with all your head torches off. So you're going to be going down by feel after you're dispatched and you'll be, you know, looked after by the, the brake person applying friction at the bottom. But for this second drop, you will all and we'll check, you'll all have your head torch off. <laughs> And one of these uh, women, a female captain, says, Blue, <laughs> I've had my eyes firmly shut yeah. for all of the abseil. So it didn't matter to her as well. So as soon as she got on the rope, she just completely shut her eyes. And, and of course, what that does is it cuts out that, um, cuts out that element of, uh, you know, forcing them to, you know, uh, use a bit of situational awareness and, you know, <laughs> cope, cope with the environment of, wow. uh, of, of what they're doing. So, you know, I, I just said to them, like, whatever floats your boat, if you yeah. can do what we require you to do and you've got your eyes shut, well, that's your personal choice. Yeah. But, you know, your head torch is in there for uh, when you're moving through the cave that she did, but for the abseils, uh, she just chose to close her eyes. And you've got to adjust the way you, you talk Definitely. to each person individually because then no one's mm. the same. And, and, I mean, if, if you see somebody who's a massive phobia of heights or, mm. or something mm. like this, and yeah. I mean, I've seen... I've, you know, been in one of those walks where they've got a glass bottom and, it, mate, I freeze. I actually feel like I, I actually see myself falling or going over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's quite a dangerous thing. I can't remember what that's called. It's not vertigo, but it's a form of oh, it anyway. Yeah. I actually lay on the gra- glass, you know, crawl <laughs> to the... It looked quite funny. But, <laughs> but I'd imagine when, when there are tasks such as that, when you're canyoning or when you're water rafting, that the very first show you, you spoke about this young uh, indigenous girl who was on the, on this um, on on this boat with you sorry babes but I just oh, want to no. go back to this and and that you know you were just mentioning it this morning and and I know that it was spoken about some 6 mm. months or so ago so just just for those that may have not heard it just just run us through what had happened on this particular day and 
um, yeah. how she stepped up. It, it was it was at it was at the sharp end of a trip that I'd been running for uh, six days in um, rivers in Victoria and southern New South Wales, and they're all at their uh, you know just authorised kind of just under a flood level. You know they were all up and pumping, and uh, it was uh, you know the end of end of the uh, the, the snow melt, and we been on this program, like I say, for about, this is about day six, we had a young, shy um, uh, Aboriginal girl with us on the trip and she was on my boat and virtually didn't say two words, she was just, um, you know, completely within herself and, you know, wouldn't look anyone in the eye and just very quiet and shy and withdrawn and we had to do a, uh, a really super dangerous rapid that, um, you know, civilian companies just refused to run it because of the, you know, the the genuine real risk and even... And even marked the army, as in yeah, levels yeah. like this. But we like, yeah, we like to do stuff that's, you know, what we refer to as um, very high perceived risk but quite low and manageable real risk. And on this oh. particular drop, the real risk was actually right in the middle of the scale. You know, it was just... We didn't want anything to go wrong. And we had a city guide with us, um, an expert, because a mate of mine who was meant to be guiding with us like a fellow army guide, he was a physical training instructor, He'd uh, just about cut his hand off um, helping a mate put a shed up the night before and ran a hacksaw through the, oh, yes, the, the yes. palm of his hand. So I had to get this city bloke and he'd, um, you know, he drafted in Kenya, he drafted in Ethiopia, he drafted in Europe and wow. uh, Steve Nomchong was his name and, he, he, you know, a bit of a legend in Australia. And anyway, he went out and, um, and uh, you know, sort of gave us the line that we had to use for this rapid and he got halfway across the river and he, and he flipped the boat. And the real danger there, like, you know, flipping's part of rafting, but um, uh, on this river you could get washed down a, down a, down a sieve that's between these boulders oh, and just yeah. pushed out the other side, and it's super, super dangerous. And, you know, if there's a log or a branch or anything mm. down there at the end and you get swept into it, that's the end of you, you know, you just won't, you won't be able to get flushed through. Mm. So anyway, Steve's boat flipped and, uh, you know, they all got thrown into water and they had to manage that situation and, you know, get their boat and their oars back and... It was just a cluster. And anyway, my crew were watching this and, uh, you know, the blokes just, like, literally, you know, revolted and were just, we're not doing this, you can go and get further away. And, and just... Because um, I, I was down on the bank um, trying to, you know, work out my line and what I was going to do and just, you know, mentally planning how I was going to do it. And as I came back to the boat, with some of these, you know, big strapping blokes were just getting briefed by this shy, withdrawn Aboriginal girl who until then hadn't said, you know, boo to a goose and wouldn't look any of us in the eye. And she just had these blokes and, and she was just briefing them and she was, uh, you know, we can do this, we trust Blue, um, you know, so what if Steve flipped it? You know, we're, we're a different boat, we're a different crew and we have to, uh, you know, just uh, let Blue guide us across this river and when he tells us to back paddle, we will. And, um, you know, we'll just show this other crew how it's to be done. So, bloody, get yourself back on the boat, trust Blue, listen to the commands yeah. and bloody act on them. And I was... Oh, I still get a lump in my throat. It makes yeah. the hairs on the back I of my neck see, stand I can, up. I can, I can see you. And uh, these blokes just meekly bloody got back, you know, in the boat. And um, anyway, we got halfway across the river and there's a supremely important command you give on a river. It's one of the... The only way you can take the speed off white water is by a command called back paddle and you lean back in the boat and you just literally back paddle and it can hold you in the water to an extent mm, mm. and it's critical for getting the angle that you need to ferry glide across the moving water. Sure. And anyway, I got them out in the middle of the river and we've all got eyes like dinner plates and, you know, I had to check my own jocks. 
yeah. uh, on that one. Oh, and anyway, I just called back paddle. Well, they stood the arse of the boat back in the water and the front lifted up. That's how powerful the back paddles were. And uh, we just ferry glided across the river, gently nudged against the bank. And mm. the, other, the other crew that flipped just, you know, broke into applause and clapped. And I just went and I just touched this, you know, Aboriginal girl on the shoulder and said, you know, thanks, mate. That was, um, that was due to you. And uh, you know that incredible gutsy, courageous leadership that you that you showed. Um, you know this is all for you. And wow. we just you know pulled across that river, stepped out as if we were just you know walking across Katoomba Street for a carton of milk. And yeah. just something I've never forgotten. And it came back to me because my wife and I are revamping our house, so you know encourages us to you know open a drawer, um, you know shift a filing system, move books. And this photo virtually fell out the other day, and I thought, hey, I've got to. I've got to Bring take this up in, and yeah. show Spillo and Bodie. And here she is, mm. sitting on the boat, you know, eyes down, um, you know, not engaging with anyone or anything. But it's just remarkable, you know, that's what I was saying before. Champion. When you really put someone under the pump, uh, you know, you just don't know, you just don't know what they're capable of. And I think yeah. I mentioned before too, you go to the, the Vietnam Memorial, opened in 1992, we had a big parade there uh, when it opened. And it's quite beautiful for anyone who's never been there. And anyway, there's a saying etched on the wall there from General Westmoreland that said um, the, Australian, the Australian army in Vietnam was like the German army in the Wehrmacht. There are blokes in the ranks that could and should have been officers and leaders. And mm. when they were, you know, put under the pump, they rose and they stood up. And, and that young Aboriginal 19-year-old... She just displayed she just that in spades. That. And when we went back, you got to I was have it, don't you? It's posted to Army headquarters at Russell offices in Canberra. And I wrote up a report on her and gave it to her, uh, you know, unit commander in the office there. And, you know, before long, she was sent away to, you know, do a junior NCO's course, a corporal's course. And, mm. uh, and uh, she shone when she got down there, you mm. know. So wow. it just goes to show you when... Um, that incident on the boat led to me recommending her for, uh, you know, um, mm. consideration for promotion because she was, you know, a natural leader. Yeah. And uh, so providing that opportunity for someone to uh, show what they've got, yeah. it just develops, you know, in, in uh, leaps and spades. So this yeah. was um, wow. that, yeah, 1991 or 1992, I think. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, I was, you know, committed for some 15, 20 years before that to the concept of entry training, but after that... You, you know, can't really teach that, though, just, can you? No, no, no. You, yeah. just, you just have to set up that environment, which is why, you know, it's like being a little bit dead or a little bit pregnant. When you run these programs, it's got to be fair income. It's got to be something that genuinely does instill fear. Yeah. And you have to put people under... You know, it's like Joseph Stalin said, you know, you can't make an omelette without breaking eggs. Yeah. So you have to set up the environment where there are real risks and real consequences. Um run it as safely uh, as you can and just allow people the space to see who they are and to hopefully try and grow and develop um, in that, you know, genuinely stressful yeah. environment. That's, that, that's the crucible for uh, mm. personal growth, you know, especially yeah. for occupations, you know, like ours where, you know, um, we're expected to, you know, shoot and be shot at. And yeah. I think, you know, this is what I was... Um, you know, really keen to have a have a discussion with the chief about. You know, I think um, the police force would be a perfect yeah. perfect medium for that mm. for that kind of training because you know those poor buggers oh, they might come out of Goulburn, you know, um, posted to a station and you know have to you know pull out the weapon that very you know mm. weekend of their first shift mm. or you know even worse. Um, well, straight into be it. Be part of it? the two way range. You know, yeah. get shot at. You know, yeah. and uh, yeah. 
It's so like uh, with everything going on. Yeah, it's, somebody, yeah. some sportsman, so I might have been a boxer, said, you know, everybody's got a plan in life until you get punched in the face. <laughs> and then you've got to try and assess what your plan now yeah. is for, you know. Yeah, well, actually right Setting up. people up in an environment where they're going to get shot at, you only know how that's going to go when it happens to you. So yeah. if we can prepare our people in the ADF, and I believe the police forces, for yeah. genuine stress by deliberately exposing them to controlled mm. burst of stress to see how they grow and mm. develop, um, mm. it's got to be, it's got to yeah. be a winner. Yeah. yeah, well, we we've got actually the uh, the chief on next week, but it's a it's a full show. I've got Bodes and and uh, this uh, um, Aboriginal chap called mm -hmm. David King, and I really just can't wait. But mm -hmm. I think um, you know we're not going to try and make it you know controversial, but I'd like to hear both what David's got to say, particularly, um, and and also the chief. I mean, Gary um, Sims we're talking about here, chief inspector down there at uh, Windsor. Um, a remarkable man doing incredible things in the community. But I'd imagine, you know, when you just sort of hear Gary talk, that he'd be the type of bloke, OK, well, if he's in, it's going to be a good shift or, you know, because of the atmosphere that he creates. And that's something else, too, I'd like to talk about, perhaps, when we go to a break. But what are your thoughts on... That was a well, terrific story. Uh, yeah, I think it was fantastic. It was great to listen. Um, I was thinking what Blue was talking about, um, the, what I would use the term... The facilitating environment. So, if you if you're creating um, a, a stressful task, um, and um, you have an expectation that people will perform um, in in a, in a way which is homogenous, um, there's no um, safety net, if you like, or capacity for multiple ways of relating to a stressful event. And the facilitating environment helps to make sure everybody can go through the experience and get what they need to get from that experience. Not everybody going into a new situation are going to breeze through it as if, ah, oh, that was good, I enjoyed that, uh, no, no worries, easy peasy. Um, whereas for others, it may, may well be their, their Everest, you know, yeah, the big course. climb, the big event. And, um, and, but what they get out of it at the end upon completion is a new realisation of their capacity to manage, um, you know, abject fear and, and a, an idea of I can't, I can't do this, I cannot yeah. do this, yeah. this is impossible, you're asking too much from me. But they work through that progressively and they have to have the facilitating environment or the instructor, um, like, like the way Blue is, yeah. um, of being able to nurture and, and say... Um, look, I think if we do it this way, um, you know, and in, and in some ways what he's doing is talking the person down from their flooded experience of anxiety and giving them ultimately on completion an experience of profound um, achievement, and achievement. Achievement, exactly. That was the word I was actually searching for. And I think that that is a greater learning um, than the person who... Um, goes under, you know, goes goes through the event without any emotional response or any challenge to mm, their mm. Uh, to, to anything. They they may not even appreciate that they're part of something. Yeah. Uh, all they are invested in is completing it and showing how good they look. Yes, you know. And then I was I was thinking about the Aboriginal, you know, the story of the young woman that Blue was talking about. Um, that uh, 
you know, th- there's no flash, look at me, look at me, look at me. I mean, she's actually very quiet and restrained and, put, and, and um, in a sense, not looks like she's not giving too much away. But when the moment is required, um, she comes forward, she blossoms, she flowers, she actually offers uh, something and it's the quality of humility that she's got um, that draws the others in um, and then her leadership comes out and yeah. you know I mean it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful story of um, you know in a way we're looking we're talking about what is teaching what is the facilitating yeah. environment um, yeah. who are leaders um, mm. and what are the qualities uh, that we're looking for really looking for when we're facing adversity. Sure. And that's that, that's really well said, Bates. And I think um, you know, adapt, well, adapting to each individual. Um, I, I would have had no doubt. My my thoughts would have been, particularly from the size of this girl, the moment she got in the boat, the other people in the boat would have instinctively said, "Well, <laughs> we're a man down here," or. Um, you know, we're going to have to paddle, we're gonna have to paddle. Yeah, we, yeah, or yeah, like yeah. I say to you, Blake, so you're going to have sore shoulders. You need yeah, to carry yeah, me yeah. through today's show. But didn't she turn that around? You know, yeah. and self achievement it, it is one thing. It, it, it's it, it's it's so empowering, isn't mm-hmm. it? You know, mm-hmm. to to be able to realise that you can conquer an enormous mm-hmm. fear like that. But also, to uh, kudos to you, Blue, for having that understanding, and that's what makes like. It really, I remember someone once said to me, you know, we're all salesmen, we just do it in a different way. So just because we don't sell cars or real estate doesn't mean we're not salesmen. Mm, but definitely. effectively, that's what you are. You, yeah. You're selling yourself or, you know, you're, you're talking to different people and knowing that, okay, well, this is what their capabilities are. Yeah. I need to push them, say, this much further. Mm. Um, this person has this amount, I'm not going to push them even further. Yeah. Because I know that they're capable and having that amount of experience, again, that's not that's something right. you can teach at the same time. But you it's, know. Like, it's like the key word that... Um that you know, Bodhi drew out, which is what you know, it's almost bloody tattooed on my forehead. Facilitation. You have to do mm. that. The activity itself won't do that. No, not bad. Um, yeah. You have to send people home with a psychological show bag, <laughs> which means that you've got to start the activity with an empty show bag, perhaps. Yeah. And 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 you know, look, you've got to. I call it, you know, um, marketing the outcome that you want. And it, you know, in that in that case, Dr. Bodhi mentioned, you know, you get. You know, especially blokes, although, you know, some really strong, confident women too, they'll just stand there with their arms folded and, you know, they're Joe Cool and, and, and they are, they are. You know, mm-hmm. they'll do whatever is required of them and, and they just sail through it. And I anticipate that and say, look, you know, if, um, you know, you find that you're going to be, uh, you know, flash as a rat with a gold tooth and sail through this thing, don't expect any praise from me because you might get a clip over the year metaphorically because what I want you to do, if you're that confident with what you're doing, is turn around and have a look over your shoulder once in a while and see how the others are coping. Because yeah. they might be bloody crapping razor blades. And, you know, this is why it's particularly good with those programs with the young officers in training. You know, I say, this is the perfect chance for you to um, have a crack at what it might be like and the mindset that you're going to need to provide guidance for your soldiers under awesome. fire or for, mm. you know, for, you know... Um, you know, for operational training that leads them to situations that they mm. might find in Afghanistan or Timor or Iraq or somewhere like that. Mm. So mm. you have to be you have to be awake up for that. And you raised a good point before too, with about um, you know tailoring it tailoring it to the individual. Like within a group of ten, and like Bodhi says as well, 
you'll generally have two or three that are going to be, you know, Joe, Joe cool, too cool for school. And they'll generally be the ones that, you know, literally will have the best clobber and the, the shiniest sunnies. They'll have the, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, the really flash look about them. And they will be confident and they will do, you know, exactly what they're required as if to say, well, how hard was that? And then there'll be, you know, a couple of nervous nillies and then there'll be a couple that are, you know, genuinely, genuinely crapping themselves. And yeah. You have to talk to the group of ten in a way that recognises all three or four of those little subgroups. Yeah. Yeah, mm. and you've got to be pulling aside those that are genuinely, you know, not having a good day. Um, of which there'll generally be one that really, really requires some close management, and uh, that's one on one. As is, yes. you know, the Joe Cool arms folded with the flash sunglasses, too cool for school. You've got to, you know, it's like that expression. Um, you know, it's easier to, uh, you know, slow down a racehorse and crank up a donkey. So you've got to work at the front end, you know, with the Joe, Joe Cool and um, get them to have a look and help the others. And you've got to raise the other one that's really bloody, you know, crying and howling on all fours, which yeah. is no exaggeration. Mm-hmm. That actually happens. So you're trying to tell them that it's all achievable and, and, and you can, you know, sort of scale back what they're required to do. And, and many times I've actually put the fear of Christ into the really super confident ones and... Uh, and that's worked as well. But one of the one of the great tricks I've done, particularly with some of the group who, you know, amongst the three or four out of a group of ten, the more nervous, I'll pull them aside and say, you know what, Smithy, you really look like you're all over this, like mm. a wet pair of underpants, mm. mate. But I don't know about, you know, Mary and Jonesy. I think what I want you to do within this group, mate, because I can't have eyes on everything. I've got to be no, looking yeah. after ropes and knots and... You know, my job's a lot more complicated than yours. All you've got to do is survive the day, you know, yeah, and get yeah. back for dinner. I've got to look after all ten of you. So I want you to look after Mary and Lady Josephine or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and then it's, oh, really? Oh, OK. Yeah, and, when you give someone that and, responsibility, and you can see them, you think, oh, I thought I was bloody, you know, pretty yeah. frightened myself. But yeah. it's, the fascinating thing is when you give someone the responsibility for other people, because yeah. I'm as cunning as a shithouse rat and I've got all these little plans and strategies and... If you take the mind off them and their own fear, yeah. they don't forget where they are, but they take where they are in the environment in their stride because yeah. now they've got a focus to get two others through. Yeah. And it's also the big thing is that I've shown trust in them. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell them in the, you know, the pre-brief before we even See, get that's the to come out and yeah. do it is say, you know, <laughs> some of you are going to react differently to this. Trust, yeah. Uh, you know, the environment will not respect any of you, the environment's just there and we have to cope mm. with what's there. But if we're going to get through this, we've got to do it as a group of 10 or, yeah. you know, 12 with the two leaders. So some of you might have to dig deep and some of you might have to dig very deep. But mm. at the end of the day, we don't get to be 10 foot tall and bulletproof and in that brilliant little briefing room at the back of the unique patisserie cafe in Katoomba, unless you give something of yourself. Yeah. And that might be to look after others if you're sailing through it yourself. Mm. Yeah. or being brave enough to accept some help or, you know, if I give you a job additional to what everybody else has got, which mm. is what I'll do to make them responsible for a couple of other particularly nervous people. And at the end of the day, that group of 10 has all got something substantial out of it, even though that, the quote-unquote, the top group um, has kind of sailed through it quite easily. Nonetheless, mm. I've made them responsible for the others in a direct mm. way and... Um, what it also meant was that, you know, the particularly nervous ones amongst them don't feel any lesser for their participation mm. having got through it as well. And mm. then, um, you know, you've got this group of 10 who are just, you know, at the end of the day, from a military 
requirement kind of point of view to develop their stress coping strategies and their um, their uh, you know resilience that they can then use. What I've done is raise their um, stress threshold, and that's that's really the critical part. You know, it, it's it's a matter of um, well now I've done this, then let's have a crack at doing that. You know, and I used to coach long distance running, and you know you get someone who can you know run out a, a pretty quick 5k and say so, well you know. What do you think your achievable 10k might? Oh, 10 kilometres. Oh, that's twice as far as five. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, you know, we've done five. We've done yeah. five, and you're comfortable with that now. Um, let's double the distance over time, and let's have a crack at the 10k PB. And then you get them to 10k, and then they say, "Well, look, a group of us are coming out on Sunday. We're going to have a, you know, we're going to have a bit of a trot at the half marathon distance. You know, training for marathon." Just see how you go, and you know if you get to 15, that's 5k further than you've ever run before. Yeah. And you know most of them will peel off that 21k, mm. no problem no at problems. all. But it's just like little mm. stepping stones. And every time you get someone to a new kind of plateau, it's a bit like you know you don't know what your limits are until you've gone yeah. past them. Yeah. And you know a lot of people's <laughs> limits are way, way, way further than what they think it's they are. are. You know, yeah. and you get them to a point where they've coped with a bit of stress, and then that's the benefit of these multi-day activities, like on yeah. that. You know that that river trip in '91 or '92, whenever it was, um, get someone to a new stress threshold, mm. and then take them further than that again, yeah. and then the next day take them even higher than that again, so that when you look back over a well-facilitated activity where you debrief at the end of each day, and then you pre-brief for the, the for, for the next day, yeah. you know, you say, well, you know, we've all survived, you know, today, but you know, I can now tell you that that was really always going to be quite achievable, but tomorrow. <laughs> Don't let me start yeah. talking about tomorrow. You know, you yeah. really got to bring your A game tomorrow, and then they get through that day as well. So it's like a, it's like a little staircase of, um, of achievability. Yeah. And mm -hmm. you know, I don't care what they're like physically; it doesn't worry me. You know, but I need them to come with me yeah. mentally and be in a stronger, more yeah. resilient um, um, place at the end Frame of the, the activity mind. with yeah. a, um, a much higher stress threshold. Sure. Such as we got, you know, years ago when a bloke I mentioned a couple of shows back was ambushed in um, Somalia, and his first thought was, "I'd rather be here getting shot at by the bad guys." Yes, I remember you saying this. Than you know, halfway down that bloody horrible <laughs> north north face of Mount Buffalo, <laughs> because that to him was the scariest thing he's yeah. ever done, and that was his stress threshold. That's yeah, a big one. That's a big one. That's that's what got him through as a young lieutenant, directing his men like literally mm. under fire in Somalia. Mm. So. You know, we know that it works. Yeah. I've just, I'm, I'm really sorry, Bodes. I've, I've got to go to um, sure, sure, no, a song no, and a break. No uh, but I've got to play my ads, otherwise I do get into trouble. But it's very interesting to hear you say that, uh, Blue. Uh, I think a lot of us can relate to it. I just w I want to um, just put out there to listeners, if anyone would like to talk to Blue or Bodes or ask us a question, just give me a call or send me a text. It's probably best um, on 0404 Oh four oh four oh double seven triple six. Send in uh, send in some questions that you may have. Uh, if you want to remain anonymous, uh, just say so. Otherwise, I'll say uh, your name if you put your name on it. Uh, you're with the Men's Mental Health Show. I love waking up to music in the mornings, so I tune into Ron Green's Breakfast Show Monday to Friday from seven till nine a.m. on Radio Blue Mountains eighty nine point one FM. Hi, 
Hi, I'm Ian from Katoomba Music, just reminding everyone that we are open and we've got lots of things for the people doing home recording or Zoom recordings, like video gear, interfaces, USB microphones, as well as lots of instruments to constructively spend your time at home, as well as building that veggie patch. And what station do you listen to, Ian? It's always Radio Blue Mountains, 89.1 FM. It is oh, scary. Yeah, welcome back uh, to the Men's Mental Health Show. We're having a, a good chat there. And um, uh, you're with your host, Brad Spillane, or Spillo, and, uh, of course, Bodie Marzen, psychotherapist, uh, located here at, uh, in the Blue Mountains in Wentworth Falls. I'll give out Bodie's uh, number and whatnot. I always do that for him at the end of the show. Um, and, and we're here with uh, Blue, Blue Phillips, who, who comes on at least once, maybe twice a month, and to join us. And Blue, of course, spent uh, just over 50 years of service in the military. Um, and outside of that, now, if I can talk to you, we've obviously been talking about, uh, you know, uh, this whitewater rafting and canyoning and really trying to get the best out of people and, and understanding, you know, the differences of uh, what people's achievements can or may, may or may not be. I guess, what, what do you do now? So if people want to, let's just say, um, I know you mentioned that, um, you know, obviously we're going to have to hire the equipment, but you, you thought it would be a great idea if we could maybe get a group of people and we can go and do canyoning or we can do some rafting, whichever, or abseiling. Um, and, and I know we spoke about father and son camps, but that doesn't look like yeah. it's going to happen for a no, while. Yeah. You're still doing that t- stuff, aren't you? I mean, yeah, you're still I taking people out. I still and... do that. Um, I, as my wife tells her friends, um, virtually anything that ends in ING, you know, I'm either doing or having a crack at. Um, but, yeah, There's I'm, something else I remember. Yeah. Kind, of, kind of fully retired. Oh, I have. I've, I've fully retired from the Army. I um, got three age extensions and the fourth one they said no but I think it's time to get back into pyjamas and slippers mate and fade quietly away you really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah, got, yeah you did that yeah, so yeah. wow I, uh, extend, oh, I was 67 by the time I got out I joined at 17 so oh. I, I like to tell people it's a, I did a, a work experience experiment with the army and after 50 years and 4 months we, uh, I, I decided it wasn't for me so I just quietly left the scene <laughs> can, can I can I ask you but, uh, uh, Bluey can I ask you because, I, I mean, I, I know just, you know, from knowing you, it'd be pretty hard to... You're the type of bloke that's just got to be busy, keep, keep your mind going and, 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 and physical activity. How, how was when you, when you left after 50 years? What, what, what was that first 12 months like? What, you know, psychologically, what was... Pretty easy for me because I'd, well, I'd obviously had a fair time to prepare for it. And, uh, you know, it's not like you get to a stage in your life where... Uh, you know, you just like get a pair of scissors and you know cut those literally cut those ties away. Um, you know, I still still keep in touch actively with you know uh, whole whole raft of my uh, um, mm. uh, military mates that I you know knew through through the service. And you know, um, a lot of people uh, I think quite rightly in some circumstances you know pillory the social media. But I tell you what, it does keep does does keep you in touch. And without um, you know the dreaded. Uh, Facebook and, you know, it's a messenger um, system off that uh, and, you know, various other little means. Uh, it's actually quite easy to, uh, you mm. know, keep in touch and, you know, like blokes will, you know, sort of pick up the phone. But I, for about the first two years, because this was December 16, I, I actually got out um, finally for uh, 
2017 and 18, I ran a program last year as well, but what used to happen, particularly in that first year, when uh, you know my mates were getting used to the fact that I really was out this time, mm. um, they, it's quite funny, they'd ring and say, Blue, I know you're out, mate, and this really shouldn't be happening, but we're going to be running a thing from uh, you know Mount Wilson, a canyon, and be kind of interesting if you just like turned up at the car park when we're ready to start walking out and it'd be even more interesting if you had your gear <laughs> with us yeah. and, and it'd be really the, just happened to have fun that in the boot. <laughs> you could kind of help us facilitate the activity and kind of be special if you could run the debrief <laughs> for us mate so i did that and that that went on you know and i'd have these phone calls and i would accidentally on purpose turn up at the car park at mount york or you know uh, mount boyce at blackheath and yeah. And all these different canyon sites and that sort of stuff at generally the Mount Wilson uh, RFS fire station, and just um, you know, oh look at you! I didn't mm. yeah, fancy you blokes being here. Well, I might as well join you while you're here. I'm ready to go as well. That'd be That'd wonderful. Yeah. I've, I've got a thermos on my lunch. So I might <laughs> as well join you. It's just always stays there. And uh, yeah, so um, kind of had a uh, you know a, a kind of tapered. Um, uh, phased withdrawal you know because it's something that I only realized uh, later in life is that just how hard it was for the national servicemen when they came back from Vietnam you know because generally by the time they went through their uh, training in Australia and they you know stooged around in a unit for a while and they went and did a year in Vietnam like you know literally some of these blokes might have been in a contact with their battalion uh, on a Wednesday you know, Thursday night they're flying home, mm. Friday they're back in Australia, mm. and then, uh, you know, they're back in civvies, they're being, you know, as they used to say in the First and Second World War, demobbed, demobilised, and, and all of a sudden they're civilians, so they're just like, you know, tipped back into their community, and like a lot of these blokes were, you know, self-employed tradies and that sort of stuff, and they just like, you know, literally within a couple of weeks of coming back from, you know, active operations in Vietnam, they're up on the roof with the radio going, and having a thermos and just, you know, back to being a roof tiler. And what, what interested me was that what I started to find quite early, you know, in the 70s when we all come back from Vietnam was um, every single time there was a reunion organised for, you know, some element of the army or, you know, some, some company or some battalion or, in my case, the you know, independent reconnaissance flight, it was always, in every single case, it was the national servicemen who were... Um, keen to get those reunions happening because one of the things they really missed was that camaraderie and uh, and that um, you know closeness particularly if it was you know forged in Vietnam and um, that's pretty much still the case you know it's the Nashos that drive drive the reunion so uh, you know for them it was you know military 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 you know two solid hard years and then bang they're out and gone and then they're just like literally tipped back in the community and uh, and um, Quite a number of them got back in, you know, mm. signed on, you know, in the regular army and enlisted after their national service. Um, particularly a number of national service officers who did what we used to call it, you know, 90 day wonders up at Skyville. Um, uh, and I know quite a number of them that, you know, have stayed on and did, you know, 20, 25, 30 years in the army. They, they really, uh, you know, they were, they were literally, you know, marched into the army at gunpoint when their number was drawn out of the barrel and uh, you know they found they found that particularly the officers they loved the life and mm. and uh, and yeah just stayed in so being in the regular army all those years for me it wasn't quite so hard when I got out because I um, you know maintained those contacts and you know I see the importance in that and um, you know uh, 
a lot of those army Facebook sites, it's just an open, bloody, continual, brutal, bloody piss take, mate. Everyone's looking for some way to uh, come back or remind someone of someone that maybe they, you know, don't want to be reminded of, somewhere where they tripped up or whatever, and, <laughs> and just, uh, you know, have a, have a congenial laugh. So I suppose you could argue that mentally and in the, the eyes and the views of a lot of my mates that I serve with, I'm not really out, inverted commas, because no. I'm still around, I'm still contactable. Um, the number of blokes that, you know, come up to my place and, you know, they'll stop for a brew, they might be coming through on a trip or something, or they'll be travelling through with their kids or whatever. So, um, in fact, some, some years ago, when I was right at the height of running adventure training courses and activities, <laughs> my wife Sharon used to call our house in Katoomba, uh, Base Camp Katoomba. Got anything else? I see you've made a couple of notes. <coughs> yeah, I have made a couple of notes. Um, I, was, I was thinking of um, uh, the, the debrief that Blue often talks about, you know, um, after an exercise sure. um, or during an exercise. And I think um, I'd like to comment on that, um, the learning that comes out of debriefing. Um, and I, and I, as a therapist, I mean, I'm inviting people to sort of uh, reflect, um, if you like, on experience, what's going on for them. Um, and, it's, and I think debriefing is um, something that um, is, is a pot of gold uh, because it's an opportunity to, to sit back from the abject fear or, or stress reaction or I'm doing okay, whatever, whatever is going on, and to actually consider the bigger picture of what's going on for me here, what what was um, what were my points of retreat, or what were my points of advance as I was going through the exercise, and I think that opportunity to process because that's what it is is you're processing the um, multiple reactions that are going through you um, as you um, are listening to the thudding of your heart and then also trying to listen to the guy saying, so when you get to this place, do this and do that. Um, there's, there's multiple uh, reactions sort of kind of coming through. And what the debrief um, does is say, so what do you learn from this? What do you think you know about yourself now? Um, or, or what is the next challenge that you would like to... Um, uh, sign up for um, in order to increase your understanding or your tolerance for the unknown or the uh, you know the, the the surprising event that you, that might take. I'm thinking about police, you know, violence. You know, there's a Black Lives Matter that's in the news at the moment, and you know we get these awful situations where some police behaviour um, seems to follow a certain it, it, or. or betray an inability to deal with the stressful environment other than using the tools that they've got and immediately um, acting in a way um, that is not a facilitating environment. And I think I want to come back to all the time to, um, yes, we need to have force at some level um, in order to manage external events that are uh, that potentially going wrong. But we also need to actually uh, think about restraint and about talking someone down um, at the same time, not an immediate fallback on the so-called training that we got in, um, in dealing with an adverse situation. So we're... This program is about adversity, and I think we're, what we're trying to do is plumb the, the depths of what, of what it is to be in an adverse situation. What do you know about your physiological responses when you're in that adverse situation, and, um, and what is a resolution 
um, that um, can uh, that can deal with the issue um, in a way that um, includes everybody. Mm. And, I, and I'm paying a lot of attention to that. Um, I think the other thing that I wanted to say is that, um, you know, with the methodology that Blue is talking about, about uh, abseiling and rock climbing and that sort of stuff, um, just uh, having my own experience of being, uh, you know, of rock climbing under his instruction and his care, um, that, that what was I was unprepared for was the, um, the high that I got, the natural high that I got after the event. Um, the accomplishment of extending myself in a situation which is right outside my comfort zone, the usual uh, zone of tolerance, um, and, um, and, and being blissed out for days afterwards. It, was just, it just wouldn't go away. I was just kind of in this exalted state of, of, of a high um, um, base of accomplishment and, and having pushed myself through something um, that I couldn't believe that I, uh, that, that, that I could do. Yeah. And, th- and that's never left me. I mean, I, um, I can actually recall that, that wow. I, was all, um, I was so high that I, I could hardly talk. <laughs> I, I, was, I was that elated yeah. um, at, at, the, at, the, at the idea of accomplishment. I think the other thing is that, um, that um, if we're in adverse situations that the use of exercise or some behaviour, some, um, some movement of the body is such a powerful antidote to the flood of um, anxiety or fight or flight or freeze or fragmenting you know, in the face of an adverse yeah. situation mm-hmm. and to be able to use one's body and move satisfactorily and um, remember the training that one has been given yeah. is, the, is the pathways towards resolution. It doesn't have to go pear-shaped, it doesn't have to fall apart. Our society doesn't have to fall apart because we're having a difficult time at the moment. Mm. You know, we've looked at America and its polarizations. Um, um, you know, we need people um, like Blue who, um, who who can facilitate the environment and say, "We're going to get through this, yeah. and we're not going to yeah. blow up or fall apart uh, or slaughter each other." Um, um, as, as that, that's not the resolution we're, we're seeking. We're in it together. We're mm. in it together, and we need to support each other. And that kind of wisdom that Blue showed about um, getting the sort of uh, uh, the smart the smart flash people yeah, to that, take responsibility yeah. for the ones who are struggling. Um, you know, is a is a way of paying attention to the whole um, of our society, the whole of the organism, mm. um, not those who are at the top, not those who are the flash, yeah. um, but all of us are in this together. This is this is the common humanity, and those principles of paying attention to everybody. Um, um, you, you know, I think are universal principles of a civilized of a civilization. Yeah. Yeah. We're sort of kind of reminded again that adversity. Um, is either an, uh, an opportunity for uh, um, abandoning um, all of us um, um, or it's an opportunity for everybody growing through the situation right. and leadership that says here's an opportunity for us to work through this yeah. um, is yeah. the sort of leadership we should be um, training and encouraging and and um, promoting all the time in, in all spheres of, mm. of our society, whether it's in the police force, whether it's in the, in, in the nurses, mm. uh, whether it's in the teaching for, uh, fraternity, whatever, whatever area of work one shows up in, occupational health and safety is crucial to, as you say, yeah. To, yeah. to offering something. Um, I think um, 
the question for me is if we're getting uh, of those of us who are getting older is also the question of relevance so if, if work gave us a powerful relevance um, <clears throat> it's also that what what we've learned from our place of work and our willingness to actually keep sharing um, those insights that we've actually um, have learned yeah. in, in, in terms of a work um, that um, that is a marvelous thing of actually getting older and maintaining that youthful vigor um, um, as a result of relevance and, and knowledge. And so, the, the in the area of volunteering as an older person, there's a, there's ample opportunities to bring the best of your learning into in, mm. into those situations. Mm. So, I'm sort of encouraging any older listener um, who might be struggling with ideas of relevance. Yeah. Um, you have learnt something. I mean, just yeah. the fact you've got there, you know, at yeah. a point of 70 or 75 or 80 or whatever, uh, you have enormous relevance. Um, and there will be opportunities for you to be able to bring your knowing um, into a, a, a service situation and, um, and doing some good work yeah. and restoring it for yourself a sense of relevance. Because one of the things from a brain um, a plasticity point of view, which is one of the marvellous toys that we've got uh, of, for relevance is that we uh, are endlessly capable of um, understanding new things um, and um, finding um, um, levels within, within ourselves which we uh, were thought were inaccessible or long gone. But he, here we are. We're capable of new learning, new integration um, and a sense of satisfaction that derives from coming through a, a situation of adversity. So really, I, I, I think um, the more that we can uh, support the idea of stepping outside our comfort zone um, and um, trying new things, um, you know, the, the more that we are uh, freeing up resources within ourselves um, and for new resources to be developed. And that is... Yeah. That's the point of getting older. Well, I, exactly. And... We, we touched on something last week, you know, we, and I, I, I don't mean to be sort of sounding changing the topic here. But firstly, that really well said, Bodes, and thank you, mate. That, that's um, just priceless, that, that information and, and wisdom that you share, and, um, which is exactly what we're talking about, giving out. Um, yeah. that, that, that's a sense of self-achievement. I think what I was going to say is that we're talking about, um, you know, adversity, some people... Some of us men, we, we, we fall into holes, or for those that are listening now, and we spoke last week about medications, and then we spoke mm. about mental mm. health, physical health, and then we also spoke about therapy, and, and, and it was just my opinion that really, if you are depressed, that medications are perhaps only one-third, 33 and a third of really the potential of what they are. Your physical exercise um, and getting, as you were talking about, natural sunlight, getting outside mm. and, and doing those things is a sense of achievement. But also, too, you then start being kind to yourself. And imagine that once... Because when we don't, when we're not as men, we're, we become unkind to ourselves. But to be able to get into, you know, pushing ourselves beyond those boundaries um, or, or starting to, you know, volunteer, um, the, self, the sense of self-achievement is, is, is a wonderful thing. You know, particularly yeah, for, for, for yeah. men as, as we struggle. And, you know, and I'm saying every man has depression or anxiety, mm -hmm. but we all sort of go through that stage where we might sort of question ourselves, be it 70, be it 40, be it 30. Mm. 
Um, so that's really well said. Yeah. I think it's um, I, what I, that's what I took out of it is is yeah. kindness to and you know to to, to that sense of mm. uh, once you're giving out the feeling of giving back, getting back. Not that you're wanting that. One of the uh, you know the really the really good things like that uh, Bodhi brings up is to you know sometimes you've got to put you know a fire under someone's freckle to get them to start talking, mm. and you know the beauty of. Uh, um, you know, it can be it can be a walk. You know, it doesn't have to be you know extremely stressful or, or demanding. But to to facilitate an environment where you get the reward at the end of sitting down and having like in a lot of cases in in my experience like an actual fireside chat, like sitting around the bush TV mm. and just chatting, um, because you can you can start talking about things. And I just always say, you know. The reason that we do this adventure training stuff in the army is from a purely selfish army view, so that they get something back out of it. They get a more universal yeah. soldier. They get someone who's not going to, you know, start you know clogging up you know DVA with you know payments for every soldier that's deployed on you know PTSD and that sort of stuff. You know, we need you to be a bit more like a rubber band and to be able to you know spring back and then you know okay what's next you know um, I've done that deployment next time we deploy you know I'll be a better soldier or officer for that experience but you have to set up particularly with men you have to do something that gives you an excuse to have that fireside chat and that debrief at the Mm, end is a classic Mm, example mm. of that (coughs) and and like I like I was leading to. a lot of people have other stressors in their life and it doesn't have to be a 300 metre cliff or a raging, you know, whitewater river that is just, you know, telling you that, you know, it just wants to claim you as one of its, mm. you know, other victims. Um, a hell of a lot of stress comes from, uh, you know, families and, and other gatherings, you know, like families in particular can be enormous sources of stress and by... By getting people to talk, and I, I remember we had we were running a course at uh, Wagga Kapuka one time, and we had a you know a fairly confident, I got to say, probably leaning towards the arrogant, cocky side, and the army encourages that growth of those kind of people. And you know they get together and it's just an open bloody pissing contest, and you know, it just drives me mad. I you know just go in there and, and subtly break it up, you know, but. Um, I remember this, this, this captain, he was married and he, he lived in a married quarter with his wife at uh, Albury Wodonga, not that far from Wagga. And we were just having a chat about various things, you know, I'd kept my group back after lunch because um, it was at a particularly stressful part of the course, you know, and they were getting towards the sharp end and they were almost about to graduate and, and really, you know, I had a good relationship with them by then and just chatting and, and this bloke was telling us in the group, probably a couple of, you know, young blokes that weren't married, but, you know, most of us were married and in my case, for quite some time. And uh, this captain was saying, uh, and I'm not making this up, you can't make this up. He says, well, you know, I had a bit of a Barney with the wife, you know, and, um, you know, we went through, you know, this sort of stage and, um, you know, it's still going on now, but, you know, at least she's gone quiet, you know, so that must mean that she's finally come around to my point of view and that, you know, she agrees with me and, that, you know, from this point, you know, when I go back after this course next week, it's all going to be good. And, you know, the married is in the group. We just looked at this bloke, you know, with wide eyes and said, mate, 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 when they stop talking, you're in deep, yeah, that's deep right. trouble. I mean, we're always in it. The level varies, but you're in a come around. She hasn't had an epiphany and stubbed her toe oh in the shower goodness. and just says, oh, you know, Mark's been right all along. <laughs> I've been such a twat, you know. 
you know, how could I ever doubted this, you know, confident young man, you know, like he's absolutely right and I'm absolutely wrong and from this point I'm going to be totally subservient. I said, mate, wake up, you, you need to get home this weekend. And I said, you know, our, our assessments are on Monday. I said, we can make up the time but you need to get home and talk to your wife because I can tell you, you might get back and your house will be empty. She's already gone because the fact that she's gone quiet, mate, doesn't mean that she's accepted your point of view. It means that she's given up trying to talk to you. And he went around this bloke and he asked the other married, he says, do you reckon about that? And he says, mate, the other bloke said, get in your car and go home. You yeah. may not have a marriage. Look, you may already be left. It's like, I think, an hour and a half, two hours from Wagga to, um, to Albury, Wodonga. And, you know, he just got in his car and drove there. And, 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 and she was packing. She was, wow. she was like, okay. in the yeah, process yeah, yeah. of yeah, leaving. And he only yeah. just... Um, was able to get there and do a mere culpa wow. and, and, wow. and, 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 you know, open up the lines of communication again. Yeah. That was a marriage yeah. that was gone. Yeah. And it yeah. was just that, you know, I held these blokes back after lunch and we were just having a chat and he dropped this bombshell. Um, I don't know how long they lasted. You know, they might have broken up since then. But, you know, he mm. was able mm. to get home there and literally save that marriage in the nick of time. Mm. And we were only able to do that because we had the... Uh, we were at the stage with this bunch of blokes that, you know, we were talking and he was able to tell us that. And he might have just been another you know, army failed marriage stat and we were mm -hmm. able to uh, intervene and, and just like literally got him out of there and sure enough he spent two days at home and he, you know, patched it up and they were all good and she, you know, put back her clothes in the drawer and, you know, yeah. decided to stay and give him another chance but, uh, yeah, it was actually quite remarkable but, you know, like, without that um, facilitated discussion, mm -hmm. you know, that learning experience for him would never have happened and we see that all the time you've just got to break through barriers especially with blokes blokes you idiots you've got to break <laughs> through that barrier and you've got to get Absolutely. them talking so that you can then you know in a subtle way not direct them or tell them or order them but you know just discuss something and just plant the idea and sure enough sure enough you know yeah. they'll come out and say oh well i just want to, something you mentioned at lunchtime yeah and then then you've got the one-on-one -on -one. and then you see there's no profile there's no other blokes looking. There's no opportunity for a piss take then. It's just me and this other person. Yeah. And then you can just, you know, taper yeah. into, mate, I strongly suggest that you might want to consider yeah. A, B, C or D or, yeah. or, or something and just do something to try and salvage a situation, mm. be it at work, within a family, you know. Um, Some great within points. The, within yeah. the workplace, you know, and uh, mm. without, without, without the uh, capacity to, to have that chat, and, you know, mm. as you're strolling into a canyon and out of a canyon, mm. you know, I, I'm never just thumb in bum, mind in neutral, you know. Mm. Um, I'm mm. always looking and listening and trying to chat to people. And, mm. um, you know, by about the fifth day of an activity, I generally know who I need to be talking to most. So I'll just oh, accidentally, you know, something will drop out of my pack and I'll pick it up and then I'll find myself next to Jonesy or Blogsy and I'll just chat to them for an hour on the walk into the canyon. And, 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 um, and uh, you know... Uh, Many, many, many times that's been quite fruitful mm, mm, to be mm, able to have wow. that, to be able to have that little uh, focused chat. Fascinating stuff. We'll no, it is, to, yeah. no, 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 you come in. Come well, in. I mean, I was just thinking um, the, the, the words that stay in my mind is, uh, um, all, and all of us have done this, is the conceit of self absorption. Okay. And what that kind of means um, is that um, we protect ourselves by thinking that we know it all. 
You know, simple as that. Yeah. The conceit of self-absorption. Mm-hmm. And, the, the, you know, what we've been talking about, um, uh, creating um, ad- adverse situations to punctuate, to break through that conceit mm. of self-absorption mm. and be open to group scrutiny and, and group feedback and um, debriefing um, and, the, and the gentle words of another – um, uh, you know, is, mo- is one of the most powerful gifts that we can give ourselves. Yeah. So, yeah. look, guys, if, if anybody out there think you know it all, um, um, sign up for an adventure camp or something, um, yeah, and strange. and right. and break down those walls of um, self-absorption and start listening to what's going on around you, um, because there's so many other perspectives that you can actually take on board. And let, let me tell you, a person who's self-absorbed is not that far from a zombie. Um, those movies that we watch and sort of giggle at when the person you know, because sort of, um, you're in that state. If you're not letting somebody into your life um, and um, and listening to what they have to say about who they, who they think you are, um, you, you, you're shut down. You've, you're absolutely closed down. You've you've actually closed down the bat. You know, all all the walls of existence um, and uh, operating as if you're the only person that lives in the world. So, um, um, my plea is um, step out of that zone. And um, and go into another place of receptivity. Um, there's an old saying, isn't it? We've got one mouth and we've got two ears. And we've got the reason why we've got two ears is, is because you you need to listen much more than 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 uh, talking to doing your own self talk. It's um it's fascinating you say that. You know, it's uh it's a, I, it's the greatest asset in life is to be a good listener. Yeah. Um, I, I I'm. I'm actually going away, so for the listeners, I'm going to ho- hopefully Catherine Jean's going to come in and, and do. But I just want to tell a quick story before we go to a song. It's a true story. Um, so I've been caravanning for five years, and I think I was on. I just bought my new van, which is, I've still got now. And um, there I am. I'm down at uh, Kayama, and uh, there's a chap next door. He's got a JK, but. I've got a, a couple of issues with the, the inlet valve under, underneath for the hot water or whatever it was called. And um, so I, uh, I couldn't, this guy next door, he came over and started chatting to me and, um, you know, I thought, geez, he can chat. Um, anyway, he was a nice enough sort of a fella. But then I noticed over the other side of the road, there was another Newlands, which is the same band as mine. I went, went over and introduced myself and he was a, it was a Yorkshireman actually. And he came right over. He was looking comfortable as he was walking. And he came over and um, he said, uh, I said, mate, can I ask you, have you had any issues with your, your hot water? And old mate next door, instead of the guy who I'm, I'm talking to, he says, oh, my van's never had any hot water issues. You know, you, weren't, you, you had this, you wouldn't have these issues. And I just kind of looked at him and then I went back and I said, look, I can't get the hot water to be warm enough. It seems to be underneath. Is, I've played with this valve and I've used the wrong things because of the brass fittings and it's, you know, very uh, soft. And he's come in, he goes, oh, you know, you shouldn't have them. You should have plastic covers over them so you can turn instead of using a, a, a pliers. And um, this went on for a good five minutes anyway. And he started saying, oh, my van's got this and my van's got that. So I, I just said to, to the Yorkshireman with the Newlands, I said, how are you going with your smart band system? And he sort of looked at me like, old mate next door went, what's a smart band system? I said, well, when you go to bed, you go for lights off, lights on. And you can do a similar thing for the spa bath at the back. <laughs> anyway, it's kind of like, I'll show you. Anyway, we'll go to a quick song and a break, but um, you move to Men's Mental Health Show.
Paul's Boutique, an exploration, a musical journey. Wander from room to room, look in high and low places. Browse and explore dusty boxes of LPs. Various music, past and present, jazz and funk, blues and disco, reggae and soul, mixes and matches. 6 to 8, every Tuesday, Radio 89.1, RBN. In times of disaster, both natural and personal, it can be difficult to know where to turn for help. AskIzzy.org.au is here to help by connecting you to over 370,000 support services across Australia, including food, money help and counselling. There's now a bushfire support category so you can access relief services near you. And if you're on the Telstra network, it's also data free so you don't need phone credit. It's all anonymous and free and here to help you. AskIzzy.org.au to find help in your area and welcome back uh, to the men's mental health show um spillo here and uh, we're with uh, blue phillips uh, the general and uh bodie uh bodie marzen who's the the psychotherapist uh, bodie of course has a practice up here in uh, wentworth falls and um uh, is, is exceptional it's uh, his number is 0424 416 that's 0424 416969. Um, yeah, we were chatting before. I was telling you about, mm. um, you know, we were talking about listening and, and of mm-hmm. course, and the topic today is being adversity. I guess, uh, you know, in summation for today's show, um, I like to sort of go over the positives of what we can sort of draw upon, uh, you know, what, what you've shared with us today. I think. Ultimately, you know, that debriefing, as you say, at the end of, of doing your canyoning or your whitewater rafting, because, it, I mean, we, we, you're talking uh, absolute fear and, and at your wit's end and, uh, you know, it, it's fight or flight. Uh, but that feeling of achievement at the end of it all is so self-empowering. And that's a terrific positive. And that's something, I guess, from the very beginning before you set out that you're looking to achieve or work towards. Fair enough yeah, to say. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I actually remember that day with uh, Bodie and my mate Luke. We, mm. <laughs> we still chuckle about it, actually, because Bodie was in the back seat, and I'll tell you what, we've had to put three separate bloody seatbelts on him to keep him strapped <laughs> in the car. He was bouncing around like a bloody pinball. Well, it was really good to yeah. see. Oh, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> uh, a site called New York. He does York get off, excited. Uh, off, off, off the Mount York Road. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's like I say, one of the really important things is to, is to facilitate something and, you know, it, it doesn't have to be that hard. Like, it's not really that technical. For example, one of the things I would say to people in the, you know, like the pre-brief stage, say we're going out tomorrow or even, you know, in half an hour as we're kitting up and we're going out to do something, is just to say that, you know, like, there may have been something in your life in the past, and I often use the example of a, um, you know, a test or an exam. You know, it could be the driving test. and something that's got consequences, something that you really, really want to do and you're nervous about doing at the start, I'd say sometimes some of the, you know, the best strategies that you can use to get through something that you perceive to be stressful or maybe genuinely stressful and fearful is just to take it from being in front of you and get it behind you, Mm. you know? Mm. And, um, you know, like a lot of people relate to, you know, like their year 12 exam, you know, the HSC, oh, HSC, oh. Mm. And they say, you know, you... 
you, you prepare for it, you're, you're nervous, you go in there and, you know, you were prepared and, you know, you might not top the state, but you got through it, mm. you know, you got through mm. it. You, you had it in front of you and you, you did a bit of preparation and now it's behind you. And then in a lot of cases with things in life that you're worried about, once you've actually done it, and this is a, a classic hook that I had on them, you'd say, well, you know, that wasn't really all that bad. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Well, you know, when we're driving back from this activity that we're doing today, that may well be your mindset. You mm. might be, you know, um, mentally where you were before your HSC exam mm. and you've got this stressful day, and it will be stressful, and I've you mm. know, got a bit of risk disclosure here. You know, you can't sit back fat, dumb and happy... Um, you know, or you will get hurt. You know, there are genuine risks today, but nevertheless, we've done the training, we've done the prep, we've done like your study for your HSC, and now we're going to get this stressful thing, we're going to knock it off and we're going to get it behind us. And, um, you know, just remember that, like other things that you've faced in your life, you know, we will get through this and we'll be 10 foot tall mm. and bulletproof at the end for facing this challenge. So it can be something easy that they can relate to so that they think it's not going to be, you know, completely unachievable and all too hard and give them the, um, the confidence, you know, before and during the thing so that they've got that, um, you know, capacity to get to the other side and yes. then feel that they've grown and developed in some, uh, you know, in some, uh, in some measure. So in other words, you know, it's like a mate of mine uh, I, I mentored her to become the first and at this, you know, to this stage, the, the first and only female major that's ever commanded the uh, Army Adventure Training School down near... Uh, um, uh, Wagga at Kapuka. Wow. And she's uh, Kenyan and she has a great saying for life that, you know, when you're faced with something that's really apparently insurmountable, you know, the Kenyans have a saying, how do you eat an elephant? And the answer is lots of little bites. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, if you've got, you know, yeah. something in front of you that looks insurmountable, well, just break off little bits of yeah. it and then all of a sudden it's not quite so big, you know. Yeah. When I was training people to run marathons and helping them through that process, you say, you know, you take that first step, yeah. It's not a marathon anymore. You know? Achieving your small now goals will you know, help you lead to the big ones. 42.194 kilometres. Yeah. And then you take a few more steps and it's 49.9. And then yeah. before you know it, yeah. there's the banner at the end that says, hey, well done, you've finished this. You know? So lots of little bites. It's not a bad strategy for life, actually, to just tear things off into little bite-sized chunks. Oh, yeah. Which reminds me of a story in 1981, I ran a marathon at the Winston, uh, the Weary, the Winston Marathon, that's right, but it was a building company. And um, it, unfortunately, it was uh, four circuits uh, around um, city streets and it happened to be a, a, a Nestle's chocolate company. Um, so you're, you're, you're getting pretty hungry by about the third th yeah, circuit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the smell of chocolate actually wafting oh, along, yeah. um, you know, was, was unbearable. Um, but what happened to me was I got to the 30, 39K mark um, and I had a couple of Ks to go. And I just said, nah, I'm, I'm done. You know, yeah. uh, my, my mind went into the, this, this is ridiculous. I, uh, you know, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. And um, so I started to wander off the track. Um, and one of the guys that had been uh, training with me, um, who was a spectator, um, he remonstrated with me. He said, Bodes. He said, you're so close. You're only a couple of k's away. And I said, oh, no, no, man, I'm done, I'm done. No, this is stupid. But even though I signed up for this, I'm, you know, I'm done. Um, and uh, <clears throat> um, he said to me, you know, he said, um, 
you know, you've, you, 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 you've done pretty well up to now. He said, you, you, you've, part, you've, you've, you've run better than, you, than, 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 um, than what I thought you would do. Um, and you've passed a whole lot of runners. Um, and there's a few of them coming up. They're just about ready to pass you. And and um, this is making you says, feel good. He's yeah. lifting you yeah, up. He, he said, "You don't really want that to happen, do you?" And, I, and you know, it just really, it really hit the right, right spot yeah. because I went, "Right, really? Yeah." Uh, um, somebody that passes that, you sort of ready to gather me up? Huh. Nah, nah. What, what 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 was I saying? <laughs> he said, "I don't know. I don't know." He says, "Oh well, well I better get back into it again." Yeah. <laughs> It's a terrific story. But and, it, yeah, yeah, it is. And I crashed through to the uh, to the yeah. tape at the end. Wow. And the guy, the you know the, uh, the computer flashed over my number. And I'm rocking, rocking backwards and forwards. I said, "Have I finished?" Rocking backwards and forwards. Ah, <laughs> uh, but you know, I mean, the elation. You've got to run back now. You've got to go back home. <laughs> but the elation of having actually done it. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, uh, was, it was in, indescribable. Mm. And, um, you know, forever grateful for his intervention um, because it, um, it, was, it was a task completion yeah. that I didn't think in that moment yeah. that I, I was capable of doing. But what it taught me is that um, the body's cues of, of, of I think this is too much or too – uh, terribly unreliable um, yeah, uh, yeah. because actually what we can do is, is ten times greater yeah. than our uh, conceptual um, apparatus would actually say is possible. Mm. Um, so there's always res- there's always extra. The other thing I, I think I want to say is um, you know we all face adversity, and um, all and all of us hit that sort of kind of idea of procrastinating, not doing the thing that mm. you know is called to be done. And, and, you know, there's a really interesting sort of phenomena that when you break through your procrastinations and you do the thing that you've been resisting, um, often you'll say to yourself afterwards, gee, I'd created a mountain out of a molehill with this procrastination. Um, and the actual doing of the thing that I thought was terrible and I was never going to get through was relatively easy once I'd, I'd broken through that um, resistance that I'd created in myself. Sure. And really a lot of our work as human beings is breaking, th- stopping, stopping the stopping. Yeah. Stopping yeah. the stopping of, of success or of um, extending ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we've got to break through that resistance. Because mm-hmm. that's, that's our learning. That's the greatest learning. Beautiful. Is getting on the other side. Yeah, it's really well said, Bates. Yeah. And you know, when you when you were talking, it reminded me of a. a I, I always refer things to cricket, but it reminded me uh, the hardest place to to play cricket in the world is in in the subcontinent, particularly in India. The pitches yeah. crumble; they don't even last two, three days, some of them. And um, I think it was 1993, and Australia have gone over there. Alan Borders, the skipper, and. Um, they, they, he comes in, I think it, they come in, it's about five for 60. They're huge trouble. Anyway, just after that, it's very, very hot. It's in Bombay or Mumbai. It's mm-hmm. uh, extremely hot. So Dean Jones gets his 100, right? And he, he's really dehydrated. He'd been throwing up and, and whatnot. And um, he got his 100 and, and AB's up the other end. And, and he just knew. He knew with all the players which buttons to press or what's going to tick them and get them going. And Jones, he said, uh, AB, I'm, I'm done, mate. I've spent, there's nothing in me. And 
he threw up on the pitch, you know, and they said, don't throw up on the pitch. But he said, I'm done, I'm spent. He said, he straight, walked straight over to Dean Jones, who was more passionate about Victoria and their state than Bill Laurie. And he said, uh, all right, just walk off. Send a bloody Queenslander out here because they've got bigger hearts. That's what he said. He said, all right, piss off. He goes, off you go and send a Queenslander out here. And uh, Jay-Z was... He turned his back on him. He said, walk off. So he started turning around. And then when he said... He stood still. And it was perhaps one of the greatest double centuries any Australian has made. And, you know, he's he's a difficult chap to like sometimes, Jay-Z, but... He made 200, 220 or whatever it was. But the wow. point was, you know, that was the turning of the light bulb switch that picked him up, made him turn around and say, hey, you know, and it's like what you've been talking about mm-hmm. today. you just yeah. got to know what to say to the right pe- people yeah, that yeah, will yeah. tick them off. Yeah. 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 You don't know what you're capable of until, you know, the environment's put on you so that, mm. yeah, you can. Yeah. Boys, it's been a, a wonderful show. I really appreciate yeah. you coming in. It's, it's always entertaining having you here, Bluey. You, the way you put some words together and you... But I've, got a, I've got a story to tell. You know, sure. um, I did my first abseil uh, with, with Blue's guidance and, um, and um, I'm, I'm halfway down, you know, this buddy uh, on a long piece of rope looking down at the bottom and he's down at the bottom and he chokes me off. He's, you know, suddenly I'm stopped and I'm not going down anymore. I'm sort of slowly spinning around like this. And I'm oh, like, you're stuck halfway. I'm stuck halfway. <laughs> oh, yeah, my yeah, God. Yeah. And, and then he says, Then he says to me, no. You want to come down, Boats? I said, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's an understatement. He said, You're going to let me play, uh, win, win all the games of Badminton? <laughs> you didn't, did you? Yeah. Uh, he did. What can I say? <laughs> yeah, halfway down. Two, three, sixties on this bloody <laughs> rope, sort of suspended. Of, uh, nowhere to go, and I, I, I capitulated, uh, um, and he let me down, and he grinned. You know, the grin on his face was. It's kind of like you what, give in, what, you give in. Yeah, no, well, I mean, um, you know, blues grins um, tell always tell a story, but he's always teaching. You know, the thing is, he's always teaching. He's Isn't always teaching you something. Yeah. Absolutely, always teaching you something. So, I owe a lot to this guy yeah. for um, um, for just the man that he is, and he's had and his adversity. I want to say that his adversity too. Um, he keeps it very private to himself, but he's been through it. Oh, so, yeah. all he said today comes from sheer experience and guts, yeah. Um, yeah. because he's had to deal with his adversity and still be with us in this profoundly human way that he is. So thank you. There's beautiful boats, and, and uh, I, I can certainly back that up since knowing you, uh, Blue. Um, mate, I, I, love it. I love seeing you. I look up to you. I love hearing what you've got to say. I've got an enormous amount of respect from you, and I think respect is, uh, is something that any man high, holds in high regard. And, um, you're up there above the Drambuie on the top shelf, mate, <laughs> or the Hennessy 24, whatever it is, you know. Yeah. Mate, it's been lovely yeah, to have you again. The kind of spirits I, I relate to as well. It's interesting, but you know, Bodie's talking about that, that, that running and knowledge. I, I just, I remember I was running the Melbourne Marathon one time and there was a, a quite famous uh, uh, garish American running coach down there and he was a bit of a, uh, you know, he'd, he'd run these stunts like, you know, he would, uh, he would run on a racetrack over 100 metres and, you know, and, uh, you know, beat these racehorses because, of course, a man can beat a horse over a short distance because a horse takes a bit to get up to it. To get know, up Absolute running. full yeah. clip. So we do this in the media, and he, he used to uh, he, he used to get paid for you know coaching people through big marathons. And I 
ran around a bend around a corner one time and he's on the corner and he's looking out for his crew. I've got these distinctive shirts that he's coaching. And he's saying, oh, you're looking good, son, looking good, uh-huh. looking good. He said, you see that bloke up in front of you there, 100 metres in the blue shorts? He's horrible. You should see his face. He's no good. Pick him up, mate. Pick him up. He's all over the place. And uh, he fires me up and I just got, you know, 100 metres down the road and I hear him telling this group of two blokes behind me, you see that big red-headed bloke in front of you there, mate? He's, he's falling apart. He's no good. <laughs> he's going to collapse at the next corner. Go and pick him up. Wind him up. And I was like, yeah, bloody two-faced bastard. So he's just using, he's just using that coaching, you know. There's something in front of you that's insurmountable, but, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've seen his face. He's no good. He's there for the picking. I was like, <laughs> different strokes for different folks. So, yeah, that's yeah, right. Funny, eh? Well, thanks again, boys, and uh, big thanks to the sponsors, uh, Mounties Group and uh, my good mate, uh, Noel Pope, the Greater Lawson Community. Don't forget, 10am on Saturday at Blackheath, go to sleep, look out for the walk and talk. Uh, Thursday's also got one happening down there. And um, I, I just want to have a big shout-out, obviously, not station sponsors and not a personal sponsor of mine, but A1 Caravans to Pete and Matt. I uh, really appreciate everything you've done for me, boys. 